Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome back, Sky community, to another episode of Sky Women. I am delighted that you have chose to join us today. We have uh, Kim Vopney with me today. She is a pelvic health specialist. Kim is really cool. We have just been chatting before starting recording, and she is a fitness trainer, correct, Kim? Correct. And she's combined everything that she's learned through her own pregnancies and births and coupled it with all that she's learned in the last decade of helping women and treating um, and has created online pelvic floor exercise programs, as well as online coaching for women in pregnancy, motherhood, and menopause, because we all are going to go through these stages. And it's so cool what you're doing, Kim. It's it's time for pelvic health to be discussed and offered to all vagina owners. I completely agree. <laughs> I am like been perusing her website for the last couple of days and I'm just loving it. So welcome, Kim Bopney. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So walk us through just your journey in terms of becoming an evangelist for pelvic health. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, certainly not something that I grew up thinking that I would become, but I did grow up with this fear fascination of childbirth. And I, I, you know, I remember seeing a childbirth video as part of our sex education and, and thinking that that wasn't something I was interested in doing. And, but still I went and looked at my mom and all the women in my life and thought, well, they did it and they're still carrying on. And so anyway, long story short, when it came time to you know, I decided I did want to start a family. I was really determined to have a different story than my mom. So she had had episiotomy birth. She had incontinence. She had chronic back pain. She ended up having a hysterectomy for, you know, heavy, heavy bleeding and all, all these kind of pelvic health issues. And I didn't want anything to do with that. So, so I was determined to have some a different story. My midwives had introduced me to a biofeedback device called the Epino, which is a product out of Germany. And the name stands for no episiotomy. And, and really at the time with what I knew back then, so this is 17 years plus years ago, my main goal was to prevent tearing in childbirth and to prevent incontinence. So those were the two things that I knew of because my mom had dealt with them and that was what I was looking to avoid. And I used this epino. You know, I had a really good experience. I did not have any external tearing at the perineum. I didn't have any postpartum incontinence. So I thought, okay, this is a great product. And contact the company and ask to become a distributor. And that's sort of how it started. So I started out with a little e-commerce store and then I started to have pelvic health physical therapists refer their patients to me. And I had never heard of a pelvic floor physical therapist. And when I reached out to a few that were referring to me and just said, thank you, but also what the heck do you do? And right. once I learned what they did, then I thought again, so why, why is it that this product that I used, why don't more people know about it? And also now that I've learned about pelvic health, physical therapy, how is it that not every single person who is giving birth is working, pardon me, working with a pelvic floor physical therapist? I, I just think that there's such a valuable resource that nobody knows about. Yes. And I feel like in the last five to 10 years, even it's really taken off in the States. We have so much yes. more offering available. This is standard of care in Europe. Yes. <laughs> We're trying to catch up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I, since I've started, 
especially in the last sort of five-ish years, there's been this huge explosion of pelvic health. And thankfully, but we still do have a lot, a, a long ways to go. And sometimes I think, you know, I feel like I've been repeating myself for so many years, but there really still are so many people that are just haven't heard of it. So we still have a long way to go. Yeah, absolutely. So you've talked to us about your why. You talked to us about the biofeedback device that kind of changed things for you. Also, the culture has kind of changed in OBGYN. We don't do episiotomies like we used to. Right. <laughs> Thank God for that, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Vaginas surprise me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, like when my mom had, it was, that's just what you did. It was, yeah. that was routine. And yes, thankfully that's not routine anymore, which is great. And there is an evolution that's happening. I still, again, I feel like there's, I think there's more collaboration that I would like to see between different types of care providers and professions as it pertains to supporting women through pregnancy and through menopause and and pelvic health journeys. Agree. I think that our care has very much been piecemealed. And so that's why at Sky Women's Health, we take a comprehensive approach for sure. And we work with pelvic floor physical therapy. We have them in the office. So yeah, I mean, all the stages we need, we need additional support. So walk us through, you are really bridging this gap between pelvic floor PT and fitness, right? Because a lot of times the limiting factor, we just accept that, oh, we've had a baby. So now this is going to be normal. I'm going to leak urine, or I'm going to have this heaviness in my pelvic floor not really understanding that there might be something you could do for it. And it's a limiting factor in our fitness because we want to be active. We want to be running. We want to, you know, be back on our, our yoga mat or whatever that, that activity is that brings you joy. And you feel limited by the physical changes. Right. Yeah. 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 And right now, and this is also, I have seen an evolution to some degree of this, but there is a a six week green light that has been, we all have heard that term. We all kind of have this understanding that at six weeks, I'm going to get the, the all clear from my doctor and then I'll be able to go back to all the things. Mm-hmm. And, and as a mom of yeah. four, I can tell you that you don't feel normal at six weeks. You are not ready to go. <laughs> no, I've, I've been there myself. And so, right. so superficial t- tissue healing has likely happened in that six week right. period. But we fail to consider all of the adaptations, all of the changes biomechanically, physiologically, mentally, all the changes that have happened right. during the during the pregnancy. Then there's been a birth, and that could have been a vaginal birth, it could have been a cesarean birth. And with cesarean births, there is a maybe a little bit more of appreciation of a need to rest and take it slow because there has been a surgery involved. Right. But that doesn't mean that a vaginal birth has left you with with no no issues. And while the you know I, the, the word injury is a strong word, but I do think we have to we have to look at this and say birth really does leave you in an injured state afterwards. And we need to have time for the superficial tissue healing, but also for the the overall healing. And I always say the retraining of the core. With all the changes that have happened, there's been. Weight, additional weight on the pelvic floor. We've had some hormone influ- hormonal influence. We've had some changes to the abdominal wall with regards to the length tension relationship in the in the absolutely the nice. increase in the lumbar curve because yes. we've shifted our center of gravity forward. Oh yes. my gosh, yeah, absolutely. So many, so many things, and 
there was very little shared with regards to that these changes are be aware of these changes and here's how you can mitigate them and here's ways to exercise. Here's what you can be doing from a recovery. Like I look at birth like a marathon or a triathlon or a, it's, right. it's a very physical event. And a lot of right. people refer to birth. They say, oh, birth is like giving a mar- running a marathon. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it's kind of like running maybe four or five marathons, really, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. And I would train for a marathon. I would train for a triathlon. So why am I not training for birth? And when I train for a triathlon or a marathon, I have a very intentional recovery period that's included as part of my training protocol. Right. And birth should be no different. We need to prepare ourselves for the event, but we also need to prepare ourselves for the recovery period and understand that there will be a gradual return back to whatever it was that I was doing or whatever it is that I want to do that, that goes well beyond six weeks. So, yeah. So I think that there's change is happening and social media has certainly increased awareness on, in in a lot of different areas. I think we have a bit of work to do, but I, I reflect back on cultures around the world that have practices about mother warming and mother roasting and the, how, important, you know, there's a book, even the first 40 days. So the first 40 days are kind of what sets you up for the next 40 years. And and many cultures around the world that's built into their, their life and it's lived and breathed and children see it. And so it's kind of this birth is, is part of their culture. And in North America, unfortunately, there's a super mom mentality. And so birth is just something you go through and we are now exercising at extremes, even though we're pregnant. And then we are trying to not look pregnant as fast as we can, even though we've been showing off our belly and we've been so proud of it for nine months, all of a right. sudden when you, when you give birth, now it's a place of shame. So we have to hide it and we have to not look pregnant as fast as possible, get back to the gym, take our selfies. We don't need help. We're fine. We got it. And that's at the expense of function. And yeah. so that's when a lot of things start to show up and, and creep up for women and people just don't quite feel normal. And they think that because it's, they don't feel normal at six weeks and they've done something wrong. And, you know, it's just this, there's a whole. Yeah. And they just think it's probably normal. Everybody else probably feels this way or, or there there's shame around. Well, if I don't, then I've done something wrong. I, I, right. Yeah, right. I completely and agree. Like that's just part of being a woman or that's just because you've given birth now. Right. 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 Well, and, and let's just talk about all the things that postpartum women go through or are doing in that postpartum period with a weak core, right? Lifting the car seat in and out, lifting strollers now, carrying yeah. baby, usually on the hip, not really utilizing their core, just kind of shifting over, right? And that's why I'm seeing the back pain and the pelvic pain, because yes. we haven't done anything to retrain these muscles that have been stretched and for, you know, 10 months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and even... So my, my philosophy with regards to preparing for that event is in fitness, we have a principle called specificity. And if you want to run a marathon, you're going to run increasing distances. You're going to taper off the week before you're going to go perform. Then you're going to have recovery. Let's do the same for birth. Let's train. What are the movements? What are the most optimal birth positions? What are the demands of labor? Let's factor those into our training. Mm-hmm. And working on relaxation of the pelvic floor. That's something that's also, I think, overlooked. Yes. Go and give birth. But then we also have known what will we be doing in those early weeks postpartum from a core restoration retraining perspective? And then what's my protocol to return back? But the other thing I factor in there is also movements for motherhood. 
the car seats, the stroller mm-hmm. lifting, the rotation movements, the squatting down, picking up things over and over again <laughs> all day right. long. So when we we're training for birth, but we're also preparing the body for motherhood. So if we can add in, you know, mm-hmm. I do have my clients train with car seats and train with strollers and train with laundry baskets and do unbalanced moves and moving not with perfect form sometimes because life is not perfect form. And certainly we don't have perfect form. We have babies and toddlers on diaper bags on our shoulders and you know, right. all that kind of stuff. So right. I think we, we kind of need to expand a little bit the variety and the repertoire of movement that we we give to people. And I, I'm one that I do back up the intensity in pregnancy. I don't think we need to be doing box jumps and and one rep max type things. Like I just, I just don't, I think we're, we're building a human. Let's honor the changes that are happening and support our body through it and, and try to maintain that core function as in spite of all the changes that are happening. Right. And, uh, and become familiar with movements that are also going to help us restore postpartum. Love it. So talk to me about your, as we age and we go through peri and postmenopause, how does that play into your current offerings? So my, my business has really evolved, I would say, as I have evolved through the stages. So initially I was working with pregnant women because I had just gone through that. Then it was starting to work at optimizing postpartum recovery because I felt that was a void. And then people were coming to me saying, well, you know, I gave birth 10, 15 years ago. I'm now having these issues. So then it was a whole learning and then also you know, recognizing that I was in that stage now as well too. So it's kind of been evolving as I have through the stages and recognizing that the conversation of pelvic health isn't just when you're pregnant, isn't just if you have an issue. It's, it's, we have a pelvis, we have pelvic floor muscles that are influenced by menstruation, hormone fluctuations. Some, like I think 80% of us statistically will become pregnant at some point in our, our lives. So the vast majority, every single one of us, who have a uterus and a vagina are going to go through menopause. So, and menopause is having a day right now. Like there, menopause is definitely out there and being Mm -hmm. talked about, which is fantastic. A lot of it is because there's a lot of suffering associated with it. And a lot of the suffering can be, can, we can go back down to the pelvic floor. The incontinence, if it has been a mild problem is getting worse. Prolapse, it's been a mild problem is getting worse. Vaginal dryness, over 80% of people will have vaginal dryness and that doesn't get better with time, painful sex, increase UTIs. And so these things may not, it, sometimes it's the first time they're showing up. Sometimes they're now screaming at us louder. We've kind right. of been okay with ignoring them along the way. Right. We've ignored the whispers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, now they're definitely yelling at us. Hysterectomy. A hysterectomy is a huge thing, over 600,000 in the States alone and often for benign conditions like heavy bleeding. And there can be a case, but there are there's so many people that go and have a hysterectomy without having even been told the other options of what they could be doing to manage that bleeding. And then when they have that hysterectomy, they are now at an increased risk of organ prolapse. And that's also something else that's not communicated. So I feel like, as I feel like, and still feel that there's, a lack of information as it regards, as it pertains, sorry, to pregnancy and prenatal preparation, pelvic floor recovery, that type of thing. I also feel like we need to do a better job at preparing people for perimenopause, menopause, whole body. But again, I'm, I'm pelvic floor centric. Right. So that we can, let's see if we could prevent these things. I'm always about prevention. And, and if we can step in before we have a problem to overcome, it's never too late 
we can always overcome things, but why not be proactive and knowing that I'm going to stop producing estrogen. I'm going to start, you know, the production will slow and that's going to influence my vagina. So how can I support that? What, what, you know, what foods could I eat? How could I move? What uh, should I be seeing pelvic floor physio? What should I be thinking about with regards to my muscles? So hormone piece, nutrition piece, movement piece, all of that is really, really important. And then also people who have incontinence, people who've been having whispers along the way, have probably been wearing pads for years and years, which also right. can exacerbate dryness. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just or infections, like, right. And then we have exactly. less estrogen on board. And so it's yes. all worsened. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's all connected. Yeah. So we can't ignore the vagina. We can't ignore oh. the pelvic floor. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I am just so honored to know you and that you are a passionate promoter of pelvic health and you're using fitness <laughs> and movement to help women prevent and overcome these challenges like incontinence and organ, pelvic organ prolapse and chronic back pain. I mean, this is amazing. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I love what I do and I feel really passionate. And, I, and I've also experienced a lot of what I help people through. And I think that's something a lot of people come to me and say, I, I found you and it makes me feel better knowing that you, you have this. So I've had a uterine prolapse. I've had a rectocele. I had a few bouts of stress urinary incontinence and I was able to overcome it. And then, so people feel better knowing that I understand how they feel, but also that gives them hope. Cause I think sometimes along the way people can hear dismissive messages and maybe not think that there's any way out from their current situation. And so the, the reality that a lot of people have is quite scary and they feel very alone. And, and I, I, I just, there's so much suffering associated with the pelvic floor that I really want to, I want to play a role yeah. in changing. So as an OB-GYN, I find this really curious, of course, because, you know, I think that education oftentimes can be very one-sided, but as an osteopath with a neuromusculoskeletal fellowship, I definitely have a mind um, very curious about my training and about what we can do better and about how we can collaborate more and how we can be open to options. So I'm curious when you said that you had experienced incontinence and prolapse and that you had cured it through pelvic floor physical therapy, through fitness? Okay. Uh, yes, except the rectocele. So stress okay. urinary incontinence was, I remember I, I had I experienced it a couple of times very early on after my second was born. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I still didn't know about pelvic floor physical therapy. I just thought because I had prevented tearing mm-hmm. in both of my births, I thought, well, then I won't have incontinence. That was kind of my thinking at the time. I didn't, I had right. no training. It was just, that was it, right? right? And then I remember being in an exercise class and this was my, my second was probably, I don't know, maybe a little over a year. I can't remember the exact age, but I, and I was, and I was doing jumping jacks and I was like, uh, you know, mm, something just happened and how could that be? And then, so it wasn't long after that, that I met pelvic floor physical therapist. And, and I remember Carolyn Van Dyke, was one who sat down with me. and, And at the end, I just thought, oh my gosh, I, I, I need to do this. And the whole, I was learning the whole kind of philosophy around retraining the core and the the importance of pelvic floor exercise, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that, Mm -hmm. that it wasn't a huge problem for me. So it didn't really take long for me to overcome that. And then many, many years later, I had a stage two uterine prolapse. I had an undiagnosed autoimmune condition. I was dealing with a lot of constipation, which I I Mm. couldn't, I couldn't explain what was happening, but anyway, it was a, it was a autoimmune related to my thyroid and struggling with constipation. And that certainly exacerbated a, a uterine sure. prolapse. And then that was hypopressives. And I was already seeing pelvic floor physical therapy usually once a year. 
But hypopressives was the biggest part of overcoming that. Hypopressives is a specific exercise technique that the term means low pressure. And it's a series of postures that are considered, they, they don't really increase intra-abdominal pressure. And then there's a breathing pattern and, a, and an apnea. And the apnea is kind of sort of like a stomach vacuum almost that you may have seen in yoga with Uddiyana Banda or some of the bodybuilders do stomach vacuums that look similar to that. And and along the way, I'd, I'd also known I had an early stage rectocele back from, from the very first time I saw a pelvic or physical therapy mm-hmm. uh, or therapist. And that was sort of, I managed it along the way. And then again, dealing with that chronic constipation, it was starting to become a bigger deal Sure. and tried all the things with that. So that was, you know, all the hypopresses, pessaries aren't really successful with rectocele's pelvic floor exercise, pelvic floor physio, estrogen, you know, all the things and nothing was helping. And I was really struggling with poops and it was just starting to interfere with the quality of my life. And I debated surgery for about four years. And then finally I just said, I'm doing it. I had surgery for that. And I was really afraid, like wasn't so much afraid of having surgery, but I was afraid of what it was going to do to my business. Cause I thought, oh my gosh, I've been preaching how, how to avoid surgery. And now I'm going to go have surgery. And, right. But, but what, what I recognized in it is, is surgery is an option. I don't want it to be the first option that's presented, but it is an right. option. And there's a lot of shame associated with it. And there's a lot of people who are, who would benefit from surgery, but may not feel confident. They don't know the questions to ask. They, you know, so I, I, out of that then created another program because I just said, this is another huge, huge void where people don't have support through this process. And there's a huge, it's a very high recurrence rate in pelvic surgeries. And I think part of it is because people don't address constipation and they don't address the movement and activity piece, like the right, the right. restoration piece, just like postpartum, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you've got something chronic, like constipation, that's not addressed, like yeah. we're sure going to see that recurrence again. So a couple of things that you said, one, you were talking about pessaries not being effective and my laptop is actually being set up as we record right now on my box of pessaries. <laughs> <laughs> That's because awesome. There are situations where they're adequate. And when I was training, I was like, these pessaries are ridiculous. They're archaic. They're slippery. I am not using these whenever I'm in private practice. And lo and behold, if every time they don't find me, like there is a good candidate for a pessary. <laughs> yeah. Pessaries can be great for some people. Yeah. And yeah. rectocele seem to be the one that are, the, they're quite tricky. And yeah. depending on, you know, if it's a lower, especially if it's a low rectocele, which many of them are, then those are, those are the tricky ones. But I think there's, there's tremendous, some people benefit tremendously from pessaries and there's actually some really cool innovation that's happening in the realm of, of pessaries, which I'm really excited about some 3d printed ones. And another one that's, um, I just spoke to this company and it's, it's like, uh, it's almost like an inflatable. So, you know, there is an inflatable pessary right now. This one has like a technology piece to it as well. So it's also monitoring. And so you can can use it for exercise and the support of the pessary. So it's just in prototype phase right now, but I think there's some really cool innovation that's happening as as it pertains to pessaries. We'll see. That's interesting. I think that that's needed because, you know, most of the younger population want nothing to do with pessaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, to... One challenge I find with pessaries, and this is actually, I would say it's a bigger challenge for the older population is they're hard. Some of them are really hard to get in and out and Mm -hmm. form all these crazy acrobatics to get. And then you're never Mm -hmm. really sure if it's in the right place. And so the one that I'm liking right now, 
more for, it's actually not necessarily for prolapse, but it can help. A couple of my clients have had it help from a bladder prolapse perspective. It's called the revive and it's inserted and removed like a tampon. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I think is, you can get this on Amazon. I recently saw this a pelvic, yeah. pelvic floor physical therapist told me about it. And I was like, well, isn't that handy? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. fittings are, are a lengthy process. You know, it's a trial exactly. and error to make sure that we get it just right. Okay. Enough about pessary. So in vaginal estrogen, does the body good? Like, yes. Everyone needs some vaginal estrogen, especially as a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell everyone a little bit about your app and how they can find you. Yeah. Thank you. My website is vaginacoach.com. And basically if you go, if you put vagina coach into Google, you'll find me on pretty much every social channel. My app, I started a challenge a number of years ago called the Buff Muff Challenge. And it's a 28 day whole body approach to pelvic floor fitness. So it's, Kegels are a form of pelvic floor exercise. We have lots of evidence to support that Kegels work when they're done correctly and consistently. I think if we can also coordinate them into movement, it also heightens the effectiveness and also the likelihood that they're going to get done. There's not many people that sit down and do a dedicated Kegel practice every day. Right. So the Buff Muff Challenge was meant to be a 10 minute whole body approach to pelvic floor fitness to help people overcome incontinence and prolapse symptoms and back pain and what have you. And the name Buff Muff kind of really struck a chord with people and everybody was really loving this. And so when I created an app, I just figured that's got to be the name because everybody, everybody loves the name. So it's the Buff Muff app. It's available for Apple and Android. And I wanted it. It's free to download. There's a bunch of free resources. There's a free exercise challenge for people to do. And from there, if people choose, they want more, they can do, I have a whole workout section. There's a whole nutrition support section. There's a whole section with other guest experts. Again, I'm I'm all about collaboration and having other people's viewpoints. So I, I want to introduce people to all the other amazing practitioners that can support them. And that's all housed in the, in the app for people that want to pay. There's a monthly, a monthly fee if they, if they like for 27 bucks. And yeah, so that's kind of, that's my main thing now is I, I want as many people to be able to have that in the palm of their hand and get the reminder every day to pay attention to their pelvic floor and then have the resources to know how to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you also will get on a call with others for 30 minutes and kind of go over all the details and decide what program's right for them? Is that what that call is for? Yeah. The discoveries call is meant to, for whatever people want. I mean, some people want to know what program is best. Some people want to know who do I talk to? Some people want to know what exactly is happening. I It's taking me forever to get in and this is what I've been told, but I still think this, what, and I'm not, I'm obviously not diagnosing, but I can help people. Pardon me understand, but who they can see to seek help and get the answers they need. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a pleasure, very informative and excited just to know that you're out in the realm preaching all about the pelvic floor and pelvic health. (laughs) I really appreciate it. It was lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much. All right. Until next week, be well. All right, Sky community, thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN, 
with a neuromusculoskeletal medicine fellowship. I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website as mentioned or on social at Sky Women's Health or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.